I'm Addison Bevere, and with me today is our team pastor, Mr. Matt Joya. Matt, thank you for yes, being here today. I am excited to be here. You could have been anywhere, but you chose to be here with us today. That is right. That means so much to me. I'm going to move on before this gets weird. Our goal here at Messenger is to develop uncompromising followers of Christ and awkward moments. For this, on the side note, and you, to create awkward you moments. You did that? I did. To develop uncompromising followers of Christ who transform the world. So we want to use this podcast to share things that will position you to experience God's best in your life and in your world. So Matt, to start out, I know everyone wants to hear a fun fact from you. So go, share a fun fact. All right. Well, here it goes. Addison, you already know this, but and all of you listeners know this as well. My name is Joya. What you don't know is how that is actually spelled. And I'm going to go ahead and spell that out for you. It's G-I-O-I-A. And yes, that is four vowels and a five-letter word. So needless to say, I can't remember one teacher ever pronouncing my mm. name correctly. Did that create um, a complex? It did a little bit. It, yeah. it taught me how to tell, spell. Because you're using that as your fun fact. Yeah, well, I'm getting to the fun <laughs> part. Um, in the Army, I had to do a lot of push-ups for that name, which is where I get my triceps mm. from. But that word, Gioia, G-I-O-I-A, is actually the Italian word for joy. So fun fact, you learned a new word today and a different language. Wow. Boom. We're done. That's it. Call it a wrap. It's been a good time. No, Matt, all joking aside, I'm really excited that our listeners get to hear from you today. Recently, you shared a message on worry with our team because you are full of joy and the joy of the Lord is your strength. So you were able to share a message on worry and really speak into our team in a special way. I'm being sarcastic and serious at the same time. It's really hard to tell how that's coming across. Anyway, it was fantastic. And I know our team really enjoyed it. So we want to share that message with our listeners today. And what I love about this message is you just didn't tell us to, hey, don't worry. Just don't worry. If you're worrying, stop it. You actually took the time to break this down and tell us why people worry. You got to the root of the matter. And one of my mentors, he told me once, he said, oftentimes what people do is they just go after the effects of something. He calls it leaf hacking without really going down to the roots and uprooting the problem. And I love this message because you get after those roots the roots of worry. And so I don't want to steal any of your thunder. So let's jump right into this message and we'll circle back after the message. I'm excited to be sharing out of John's new book, Killing Kryptonite. And as I was reading this, the Holy Spirit illuminated something to me. And it was an area that I had made an idol in my life. And that's what I'm going to unpack for you today. And that area was worry. How many of us worry? How many have worries? There's a lot of hands. And show me your worries, and I will show you your idols. We live in a culture where we've grown accustomed to worry. We live in one of the most affluent nations in the world, possibly in the history of the world. We have the largest houses we've ever had. We make the most amount of money we've ever made. We have so much stuff that we pay another off-site place to hold our stuff just in case we ever want to go look at that stuff in storage units. You ever think about that? You have a garage, you have a closet, but you need a storage unit to hold on to some of that stuff. But all of that stuff still hasn't given us that peace. We, we struggle with worry in record numbers. In fact, um, 
Americans are turning to prescription medication in the droves because they struggle so much with worry. And we've seen a lot of famous celebrities who we would say have it all struggle with depression, with worry, and anxiety. Why? It's because we've allowed it to rule. We've, in, we've, we've endured it or tolerated it. And what we've tolerated, we've essentially endorsed, and it's become a part of our nature. Now, what I struggled with with worry was I was looking at everything that I had to do and everything that I needed to accomplish, and I was trying to solve it all at once, and I was bringing it home with me. And it first started out where my wife would say, hey, you're kind of distant today. Um, and I'd say, oh, I just got some things on my mind. And then it would become the next night, the next night. Then I was playing with my children, and I wasn't really, you know when you kind of push them on the swing and you're kind of thinking about other things? And I realized it was a problem when my son was, was tugging on my shirt saying, Dad, 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 Dad. And my wife said, are you going to answer your son? And I realized, man, maybe I do have a problem um, with worry. And worry is this. It's repetitive and it's non-productive. When I woke up in the morning, it's the first thing I was thinking about. And at night, it was the last thing I was thinking about before I went to bed. Um, it takes you to places that don't even exist. Okay? And anything that takes you from the present steals life. Okay? And, and um, Proverbs, so I, I was struggling with this. And the Lord highlighted this worry is an idol in your life. And he led me to Proverbs 26.11. And it says this. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. I was actually going to bring in some vomit just to give you a visual description of what it is. But um, the Lord said, you keep returning to this, and you need to view it as vomit. You've tolerated it, you've accepted it, and you're comfortable with it. And automatically, I got this idea of this. I'm just going to, I'm going to show you what the Holy Spirit showed me, this festering pile of vomit. And I got this smell on my nose because the Bible talks a lot about like our worship is a scent unto him. And so when I was worrying Okay, he was showing me this is what it, what it was like. And uh, for those of you in gym class, especially if you were guys, okay, most guys would work out, and then they would spray that body axe all over their body, okay? So you have this body axe smell, and then you have funk, and it just stinks. That's like what you smell like in middle school until somebody tells you, dude, you need to shower. But the Holy Spirit was saying, that's what you smell like when you walk around and you carry worry, yet you're an ambassador of my joy. How can those two things coexist? And the answer is that they can't. So what is worry? That's a good question we should ask. The word worry comes from actually two Greek words, which mean to divide the mind. See, double-mindedness is when your thoughts are split between those things that are worthwhile and those things that are damaging, okay? And you're conflicted. You ever try to run in two different directions? You can't do it. That's exactly what happens when you're double-minded, okay? Elijah explains it like this. I love this. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him with a word. First of all, when you're double-minded, you're going to limp. You're not going to get to your destination. You cannot run, okay? The Israelites wanted the safety and provision and protection that God provided, but they also wanted Baal, okay? Though it's true that some idolatry totally denies the existence of God, many of the examples we have of idolatry in God's word is, are the Israelites and believers, okay? So the Israelites believed in God, but they didn't believe in his sufficiency and his sovereignty. They wanted God and Baal. See, God was good, okay, but it just wasn't enough. I call it the and one principle. If you've ever played pickup basketball, 
okay? When you make a basket and you're fouled, one of the common, uh, you would say, and one, okay? Everybody has that one annoying guy that if he's even brushed up against and he makes a basket, he's like, and one, and one. It's like the basket isn't good enough. Nobody even touched you, bro. But it's this idea that we have God, but I and one. I need one other thing with it, and that's idolatry. I want to show you what God actually thinks of this lifestyle, and we're going to open it up in James 1, 5 through 8. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God, and do not waver, listen to this, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Okay, first of all, God wants us to hear, God wants to hear from us. He wants us to ask for things. But when you go in there divided, okay, you're not gonna get what he's asked for. James is a truth teller. Elijah was a truth teller. He's, he's giving it to you how it is. Um, that word divide, it literally means, the Greek word is sukos. It's disukos. It literally means to be double-minded or another example is to be, it's to split the soul. To be, can you imagine that? Just allow that imagery to sink into your mind. It goes on to say that you're unstable in everything, so people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. So it filters into every single area of your life. And so I had this conversation with God a few weeks ago. I was at the park with my children, and again, I was tuned out. I was there, but I wasn't there. You ever have one of those moments? Okay, my kids were playing, and I had this moment with God, and, and, and God said, what would it take, Matt, for you to never be worried again? And I, and I started to think about that. What would it take? Okay, would it take, um, you know, a ton of money? Would it take uh, me just kind of being set in my profession or maybe to have my gifting at that Samson level, you know, that's just like, Hi, what would it take? And so as I was searching and trying to answer this question, God came with circle back around and answered it for me. And he answered it with this. He said, trust, Matt. The answer is trust for you to never be struggle with worry ever again. God told me, he said, look at your kids. Look at them playing. They're not thinking about anything other than sliding down that slide or being pushed on that swing. They're completely present in the moment. And here you are, and you're thinking about something else. And I thought, I thought of Matthew 18, 3. And I want to highlight this. It says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Look at that. Unless you change. So we all have to change. And we have to go back to what it was like to be a kid. My kids aren't worried about if there's going to be food on the table tonight, if there's going to be a roof over there. They don't spend any time thinking about that. Why? Because they just trust me. Dad's going to provide that. And somehow along the line, we get those lines blurred. And we take on that responsibility of having to do all of these things instead of putting our trust in God. We almost divide the categories. God, I have to trust you for salvation. There's nothing I can do there anyway. I've never been to heaven, but I trust you with that. I'm not going to spend any hours thinking about that and worrying about that. But I will, however, I'll worry about some bills. I'll worry about making sure that I have this project in on time. So do you see how kind of like 
crazy um, and idiotic that line of thinking can actually be, but we fall prey to it. And so I love the, the, the simplicity of trust is freedom. Think about it. When we trust, we are free. When my kids trust me, it results in them being free to be able to enjoy the moment. Worry and being double-minded, it's bondage. Simplicity brings joy and peace, and worry leads to fear, and fear leads to anger, and anger leads to hate, and often hate leads to the dark side. So we know that that's not the direction that we want to go. We need to focus in on letting these things go. I read this paraphrase of Ecclesiastes 7.29, and it said this, that God made man simple. And man's complex problems are of his own devising. Most of the problems that I deal with, and maybe probably even the problems that you deal with, are of our own device. We stew on these things, and it shows our lack of trust in God by trying to take control and take the reins of our lives in this, this power struggle. If, am I going to trust God with this, or am I going to see this through on my own? The idea that I just, if I had one more thing, or if I had this specific thing, uh, would be enough, I would feel safe or comfortable, is the very root of idolatry. It's that and one idea that I was talking to you about. If I had this one more thing, these worries are your idols. It doesn't matter if you've got an idol and God or if you've got an idol instead of God, it is still idolatry. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, let your heart not be troubled and do not worry. I have to believe that if Jesus himself told us not to worry, then it is possible the Bible references peace over 300 times, and Paul starts almost every single one of his letters with grace and peace be unto you. There's this theme that God wants more than anything for you to walk in a peace that surpasses all understanding. The number one commandment in God's word is do not be afraid. He's trying to get at something. You don't have to carry this bondage. You don't have to carry these worries. Give them to me. If you carry them and you try to be an ambassador, you're going to be double-minded. It's going to end up, as a result, your life crashing and burning. I kind of want to end on this scripture, and it's 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. I love this scripture. It's been speaking to me a lot. It says, so be content with who you are, and don't Put on airs. God's strong hand is on you, and he'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. Now, I didn't know what put on airs was. Maybe you guys do, but I went ahead and looked up the definition for you. It's to act better than one really is. To pretend to be good or to be superior. A manner of superiority. When we take those matters into our own hands, we are pretending to be in control, but we really aren't, okay? We are pretending to be good. And God is saying, don't pick that up. Let go, okay? Relinquish that. If God tells you to live carefree, then that means it's possible. It is possible for you to live your life like my children in that playground, not thinking about their homework, 
not thinking about what school's going to be like the next day or what school was like earlier that day, just being free to live in the moment. And if you were anything like me, I got to a point where I was crippled with this worry. I was crippled with it. Oh, sure, I put on a good face. I put on a good face to pretend like I wasn't dealing with it. But again, that's like that Axe spray on top of your body odor. It still stinks. You may not have noticed, but if you spent enough time with me, you would have begun to smell it and say, something is off here. And as a truth teller, if you want to be a truth teller, you need to speak into people's lives and say, man, you seem different. You seem like you're carrying something that you shouldn't be carrying. So how can we give up these cares? Because the answer is in that scripture, because God cares for us. There is so much peace found in that statement. God cares for us. Our lives are in the palm of his hands. His protection, his provision, and his favor rests on our lives when we have the courage and the faith to let go of those things. What is trust? It's faith in God. It's faith, trust in your wife is faith in your wife that I know, I know how Jess is going to respond in most situations because I trust her. I have faith in her. We're called to put our faith in God. But you have to choose to trust. It's a choice. You can hold on to your problems tight or you can open up your hands and give them to him. And you will find a peace that surpasses all understanding. Don't allow worry to be an idol in your life. That was so good. Show me your worries and I'll show you your idols. You know, Matt, I think we're all looking for peace. And in some twisted way, worry gives us a semblance of control, which produces an artificial, weird form of peace. I think that's the only way you could explain why people keep worrying, even though it doesn't help them. Have you ever thought about that? Like people keep yeah. worrying, but it doesn't help them. It Absolutely. doesn't accomplish anything. If anything, it causes them to experience a bad thing twice if that bad thing actually ends up happening, which normally it doesn't happen. So I love, I love the question that you posed. You said, what would it take for you to never worry again? And you gave the answer. You said the answer is trust. And so Matt, I want to ask you, what are some things that have kept you in your journey from trusting in God? Well, first of all, Addison, I want to say this, that backed into a corner, everybody is going to say that they trust God. And this is where we need discernment. This is where we need to take a full inventory of our thought life and line it up with the word of God. Philippians 4, 8 says this, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, excellent, and worthy of praise. If your thoughts don't fall under one of those categories, they're broken, and you need to fix them. And so for me, it was creating worst-case scenarios with the things that God had entrusted to me. I was taking the time to think about, well, what if this happened, and what if that happened, and what You're if You're saying happened? like in your professional life, in your family In, in my life, professional life, in my personal life. You were all these future realities. That hadn't even happened mm-hmm. yet, Addison. Yeah. And I was worrying. I mean, you, what it was causing me to do is to be distant and miss out on what was taking place right in front of my eyes, which was actually causing me to, to, to create more problems wow. in my life. So it's almost like I was bringing those worries into reality. Your present was being stolen from you by your worries. Absolutely. Well put. So when you shared the and one idea, 
This was another idea that I love from the message. I was like, actually thinking of you. I, I don't want to hear that because that's that's my joke. I couldn't stop laughing because I was thinking about you and our pickup <laughs> basketball days. You driving down the lane oh my with your little flick, yelling <laughs> and one after it goes in. I'm just kidding. I probably did that a lot more than you did. But regardless, there are there are other instances in our life where this and one idea applies in a very unique way. And you unpack that during the message. So let me ask you, what are some and ones that you've had to navigate in your life? Yeah, and this may take a lot of people by surprise, but for me, it was my calling. Um, I knew at a very young age what God had called me to do. And I remember about three years ago, God gave me a very vivid image. In fact, right now, I can, I can see that image inside of my head. And it, it excited and it ignited something on the inside of me. But what slowly started to happen is it started to consume my thought life. And it started to consume my prayer life. And every single door that was open or every single phone call that I got, that I thought... That became the object of your affection. It, it did, absolutely. I, I said, is this the door that's opening for me to be able to step into that? And mm. one day, out of just complete disillusionment, I went to God and I said, God, why did you even share this with me in the first place when you haven't given me one more piece of that puzzle? And then I heard the Holy Spirit say this to me so clearly, because, son, I gave you that one piece, and honestly, you've screwed it up. You'd have allowed it to consume your thought life, to consume your prayer life. You're not present to your family. You're not present to the people entrusted to you. And so why would I give you another piece of that? And so God showed me, look, son, I gave you that piece to build your faith, not to feed your fears. Hmm. And so this is what I want to say to our listeners. You've probably listened to a thousand sermons. I know that I have. But how many of them have you actually acted on? Faith is not passive. Faith is not the absence of responsibility. So what I want you to do is take an inventory of your thought life. Begin to journal and write those things down. And then find those concerns, find those worries, and then see what the Word of God says about those things. The Bible promises if we give our anxiety, if we give our cares to God, that a peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. But the key is we must come to him with thanksgiving in our hearts. At that moment, you release it to God. You do not have to pick it back up again. And if you begin to feel it coming, you have the discernment to recognize, hey, this thought is contrary to the word. I'm going to elevate what the word says above what I feel, see, and what I may even be experiencing in this moment. If you do that, I promise you will have breakthrough. That's so good, Matt. And we all want peace, but sometimes we want to hold on to our worries as well. And that promise in Philippians 4 it says that we have to give God our worries, and then he'll give us his peace. We can't hold on to our worries and get his peace. Right, it's an that, exchange. Right, and that's why Elijah said, how long are you going to go on limping through this life, carrying these two different mindsets? You have to let one of them go so that you can truly be free and run. That's good. Well, I hope our listeners take that to heart because this message will transform lives. Well, we are out of time for today. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Matt. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I love being here. Thank you. It's always good hearing your voice through the microphone. It's just I get good vibes (laughs) from your voice through the microphone. Anyway, (laughs) write a review, share this with your friends, and we look forward to being with you again in two weeks. Until then. 
Thanks for listening to the Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time. Thank you.